Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Herald, and the quest, the past. Uh, in the last few episodes, our party slowly became uh, heroes of Gallad Bay, having not only defeated the ice giant Tregloka, gotten rid of that nonsense, but also made a trip out to the super spooky Unfrendil, the super spooky lich. Uh, after dealing with all that nonsense, having killed the giant and having come back unscathed from the lich, as you guys think you are, uh, you guys cracked a bit of a deal with this lich uh, with an unknown price to be paid in the future or something else. I don't know. He's getting metaphysical. It was weird. I guess when you're trapped in a cave as a skeleton for that long, you kind of get metaphysical like that. But anyway, metaphysics aside, our party, after having uh, decided to leave this place, have been given a few directions. One, there's a debt to be paid, the price of one soul into a little glass jar. Two, the party have to go to Fazeri, go into the arcane citadel of the Tome Guard, as if that's going to be easy, infiltrate it, sneak into a little hidden fort, pop through a teleporter, um, you know, go hang out with death for a little bit and, uh, you know save the world i guess i don't know seems like a lot of people aren't too concerned with the well-being of the world you know but either way uh, i felt it was necessary after that one to give a quick level up to the party i know this milestone thing's kind of wonky like that but it made sense at that point after having met with a lich and left alive i feel like that's a point where uh Characters have learned a lot about themselves. You know what I mean? If exploration gave XP, I think I think surviving a meeting with a lich and making a deal is a time where, uh, yeah, you'd get some uh, XP for that. So I don't know who wants to go first discussing what it's like to be level 10 in their class, but uh, whoever wants to go first. Not all at once, please. I guess I'll go first. Uh, my level 10 battle master fighter was pretty simple um i got two new maneuvers i took fainting attack and distracting strike um and the dice that i roll uh for maneuvers have gone up from d8s to d10s what's your total max hp now 97 oh that's so sad you're so close i know does anybody have more than 97 HP at this point? And why is it Klika? Yeah, mm. 
<laughs> you made me. I wasn't gonna say anything. What'd you get to? 101? 102. At least, at least, you know, it's not too insulting that the sorcerer who dumps dead charisma in order to boost the shit out of Constitution. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it tracks. So uh, in that case, why don't you tell us about your wonderful level up with Klika? I have a second fifth level spell now, and I got access to my third meta magic option, which right now I have taken extended spell, but I really don't know if I'm going to stick with that or not. I might end up switching it for subtle spell. We will see really not pot committed either way and i also got uh some draconic spirit for my second fifth level spell that's terrifying yes yeah i don't i don't know about that spell that one's spooky isn't that the one where you summon the dragon to just like flutter around and launch breath at people yeah up for up to an hour i think it's a yeah it's a large dragon that i summon you know, I thought about it the other day. We have dealt with so many dragons in this campaign. I don't think Dragonlance deals with as many dragons <laughs> as we do. And, like, there's nothing about this campaign that's centered around dragons. It's just a matter of, like, the level you're at where you just, like, have to deal with dragons now. Not local fucking dickweeds. It's like, no, you have to go to the officiator. It's a, you know, fucking white dragon up at the mountains. Anyway. All right. Um, Let's see. Anton, did you have any wonderful things you want to tell us about? Well, I'm level 10 now. My HP only got pushed up to like 82, so fuck you guys. <laughs> um, 81, not even. Uh, I got a couple more fifth level. I got one more fifth level spell. I actually, funny enough, I picked Summon Celestial. I'm going to bring up some weird angel shit. Let's see what happens with that. And for abilities, I now have Divine Intervention, which you basically said I have God on speed dial 10% of the time. One every seven reception. Yeah. It's really but, bad reception. You're but, always calling in. I, like... My question is just what am I going to ask the Illuminator? What am I, what am I, I'm, I'm very curious, like what, like what he'll say yes or no to. You'll be like, well, 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 look who's back. A little, little Mr. Agnosticism I... showing up. Can I call another god, or is it my, is it, am I strictly, like, stuck to the <laughs> Woof. Is this, what, you're going to call a different god. You know what, the Illuminator's just going to pull out. He's just, <laughs> he's done with this relationship. <laughs> I mean, there's lose all your powers. powers. I could actually dial the wrong person. I feel like that's a thing. <laughs> no, it's not a thing. I call the wrong star. Fuck. Wrong constellation. Sorry, I was looking what for the happens? one. You call all of a sudden, call... you, just, you just hear, hi, I'm Klika. It's like, no. I'm going to get one of the voices inside of Jarzak's head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just melt on the floor. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, get, he'll give you the new one for free. Like, that's no problem. <laughs> you can take. Um... Yeah. Okay, um, in that case, Jorzak, why don't you round it out? I got a new cantrip. So, one of Klika's favorites. Which Booming one is that? Blade. Oh, for fuck's sake. 
Oh, I also I, I also got a new cantrip before Dan goes on a rant. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a message. Nice. So, and then I got armor of hexes as a tenth level hexblade warlock. All right. Um, I suppose in that case, unless anybody's got anything else they want to try to roast me with, uh, I think we're ready to go. Right. Ready. You're not going to complete your thoughts on Booming Blade? No, this was oh, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Booming Blade. We're going to have a very Booming Blade-centered episode where we're going to have everybody locked in combat with nobody willing to move. You know, when Magic Knights with swords are fighting. Don't worry. You guys are going to experience a real gridlock, okay? It's going to be like fucking California highways at fucking 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, that'll, that'll be a good, nice cluster. We can just Green Flame Blade instead. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Dog, who says I don't have green flame blade too? Well, go ahead. Let's play this game. We'll go toe to toe. Okay. So I suppose uh, where we left off last time was the knowledge that we had to go to the Fort Shield Vale, um, one of the uh, various uh, forts in the uh, Arcane Citadel's, uh, I would say, vicinity. The way that it works, from what you guys know and what you've been able to gather. Uh, the Arcane Citadel is like the capital of the Tome Guards Empire, if you want to call it that, in Fazeri. Um, the, the way that the Citadel operates is there's a few different like fort sort of states, and each one of them is like sort of like a little mini military state that sort of surrounds the major citadel. So knowing that you have to go to Shieldvale is saying that you just have to go to one of these forts and, you know, do the thing. Um, beyond that, though... Uh, what have we learned about Fazeri? I mean, we know that that's where Yigalit's people come from, right? Yep. That's kind of about it. Um, so as far as flight goes at this point, you guys took Swift Bolt on this ride with you. Um, on a magic carpet Swift ride. Bolt. Yeah, basically. Something like that. But as you guys are going to be flying here uh, and straight to the east... Because Fazeri is just on the other side of this, you know, major map region. This is actually probably the farthest you guys have ever had to travel. I think it's actually farther than the Gorgareth trip. Um, so I suppose if we're traveling from Galad Bay all the way over to there, holy shit, that's a long fucking trip. Well, it's not like you guys have a war to get back to or anything. I'm sure they'll be oh, fine. Well. Yeah. So as far as things go, I'm going to roll for some potential encounters while we're flying through the air. I'm begging and hoping that we don't have any major encounters on the way there, but, you know, who's to say we won't find a crack and floating? Just bathing. Um, <laughs> but meet those why would the Kraken be in the sky? He's not. He's floating on the top. Well, just go above him! Yeah, the but how high have above? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Jarzak's that kind of pilot. I think Jarzak likes to live dangerously. Plus, Swift Bolt wants to look deep into the eye of the beast. Yeah, well, we do have the sword on the ship now, so... Go ahead and try to swallow me. Oh I'll slide God. right out the other side. Ugh. Jarzak's just <laughs> fucked up. Ready and willing to use that. Um. So, it looks like if the party are going to be hauling uh, aerial ass on their way over there. Um, it looks like it's going to take about four weeks, just under four weeks to get there. It, is, it is a fall to get okay, there. Okay, month? 
god. Unless my math's oh, wrong. Yeah, it's going to be somewhere between 30 days and 20 days, depending on how we get there. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to, since Salty Dog is the only one, or Lucky Dog, <laughs> um, since the Lucky Dog is really the only one who's the true navigator of this ship, unless anybody's going to provide any sort of assistance, I'm going to allow him to be the judge of where we fall between 20 and 30 days. Okay, so it's going to be about a half, so about 24 or 25 days. So on this trip, um, what I'll do is I'm going to break this up into three legs. I got to make sure. One, two, three. Yep, three legs. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys to do the improv travel thing yet again. Um, but as far as uh, this cycle of travel goes, since we're going to be 25 days out, holy smokes. Uh, the first bit of trip you guys are going to go across is going to be, obviously, we're traveling to the east. Um, north of Amroth, obviously. Uh, the first of the major islands we're going to be passing over is the continent known as Galen. Galen is a sister continent to Shalen. And these continents, from what you guys know, if you want to roll a nature check or a history check, mm. um, from what you guys know from the bare basics, um, both of these continents are basically populated by giants and some native people, but uh, they are very brutal and very dangerous and works as sort of a nice buffer to uh, Gallad Bay. I got a Did anybody six on my nature. A six? I got a critted on his history check. I got okay, apparently... Jesus Christ. Okay. So it looks like you two had a, the same National Geographic uh, subscription and got this month and this was the only one you could read on a long flight. Um, apparently it's this flight. Um, but yeah, Shalin and uh, Galen, um, these two places are, I don't want to call it giant country, but it's like uh, Galen has a volcano on it, which you guys apparently know very well is inhabited by any number of giants led by fire giants. It's sort of a spooky hidden forge, not so hidden because we got a crit on history. Um, but yeah, Shalin is sort of the more bestial of the two areas. Uh, ruled more anarchically by trolls and various likes, where it's just kind of just a, a hellish nightmare jungle, just filled to the brim with giants that kill and eat each other. Um, some people theorize that the trolls that live there actually all came from one single troll, but because the people who killed the first troll didn't kill it effectively enough, trolls just grew from each limb they hacked off of it. And then as those trolls kept getting hacked to pieces, basically it just went full-on gremlin style, and now we've got an entire island of trolls. But it's not a good place. So in this first step of, of flight, it's only going to be about three days before you pass the island and pass this volcano. So my question is what everybody's doing in that time. Really hope we don't crash. <laughs> realistic. Um, but what would Anton be doing? Ooh, this might be a good time to discuss who's going to give up their soul. Oh, shit. Yeah. We'll be able to argue each other out of it. Like, it, like it, I think Anton comes to the term with that. He's like, I don't think we'll be able to argue each other out of it. I think this will have to be decided by someone else. I'm, I mean, I feel Ant terrible saying that, but if it has to be one of us, I don't. We don't want either of us to die. At least I don't want any of you to die. 
Well, but, yeah, we'll just pay someone to do it. It's then it's, they'll be it, willing. It won't kill us anyway. It'll just mean that when we die, we sort of cease to exist. So, assuming that part is true, that ought to be me. If well, why is that? Nothing, well, if nothing else. Assuming that I survive this war, I'm going to have another 200 years if I eat right and exercise. An extra 200 years to figure out a solution if there is one. Damn. Could you imagine? That's just the second quest. Norhill's got to find a fucking wish and reverse this shit. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Him and his poor little dwarfitis. Um, too many hot pickles. Sorry. They all caught up I mean, to I, him. I, that life of reckless hot pickle eating really caught up to him <laughs> in his later years. He's got old vinegar toe. Oh, he no. got dwarf gout. Oh, that's when it hits all the puppies. <laughs> um, damn. Okay. Um, I, I kind of feel like Anton was onto something, though, that nobody will really know till the time comes to make a choice. But I mean, in that time, I'll also say you can tell that Swiftbolt takes quite a liking to life in the air, flying on the ship and helping out the gnomes. Um, you guys have also picked up a few crewmates from Gallad Bay, a troop of three humans. Uh, each one of them is just a sailor who apparently the gnomes took them on and hired them on the staff as well. But these gentlemen are just experienced shipmates who have never flown, but I think the gnomes really just wanted them because they can reach stuff that's up high. <laughs> so they hired him on board. Uh, apparently Lucky Dog gave the thumbs up to it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Swiftbolt just definitely seems like he's found his, uh, I don't want to say his calling, but he definitely seems to have lifted much of that sour gray mood that he had had on the island of, uh, you know, over in the city of Gallad Bay. But Okay. Did anybody have anything they wanted to do here? Or are we just sitting and staring forward? And like, let's get this shit over with. Well, I, mean, I think we should meet this. Like, I think we should have more interactions with this crew. Like, what are these gnomes like? What are these humans that they just kind of bargained on? Like, what's going on there? Like, are these, what kind of people are these? Like, are they cool? I, I don't know. I feel like we don't, we don't know enough about them. I know Clique is going to spend at least part of every day um, drawing out the teleportation circles in uh, one of the lower decks of the wave race because if she does that every day for a year in the same spot she can just make a permanent circle there and she'd like to be able to teleport to the wave race whenever she needs in the future so fair enough you think Anson's just gonna learn more about the crew and the new crew and the current crew and just what are their lives like and what are they hoping for? What do they feel about this war? Okay. Um, if you actually want to know the answer to that, I can give you the answer to that. Sure. The three gentlemen who joined the crew, um, their names are Jarn, Jogden, and Callum. Each one of them. Uh, they were friends before all this. They were all sailors, and the gnomes offered them bountiful treasure. 
but it didn't seem like any of them were super, you know, concerned about getting paid very well about this. It looked like they were more just a group of sailors who just genuinely enjoy traveling. And so hearing about the opportunity to fly on a flying ship, um, one of the men seems to be a little bit dumbstruck that Anton even takes an interest in him and kind of gushes a little bit, suggesting that going on a quest such as this, if the legends are true, they may get to see some action. And so some of them want to be able to tell tales in their gray days. So they're just a group of very optimistic idiots. Oh, I hope <laughs> they, they think this is fun. Oh, no, they're going to be the ones who die. <laughs> like, how attached are to your soul red, are you? They? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got their phasers and everything. Um, which is terrifying to say the least. They're like, step off, I'll laser gun you. Um, <laughs> laser. Um, I okay. feel like Jarzak just wouldn't notice that they're part of the crew for a few days. And then when he does, he's definitely just going to grab one and be like, boys, we got stowaways. <laughs> Jarzak, they've been here. I was going to say, Time the man yells, where? The plank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and you. The Kraken, the Kraken who is laying on the surface rises even higher. <laughs> Hey man, Krakens are fucking smart, dude. He took a couple levels in Wizard. He got levels okay. now. Great. Oh, no. Good for oh, him, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely take what you, one of the party members or like Lucky Dog to be like, no, they're part of the crew. <laughs> never like, never awesome, heard boy, of them. Calm down. <laughs> like, yeah, right. So that, the guy seems very terrified of you. And he says, I'm not one to judge, but I've heard stories about orcs and their anger. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you hide away on my ship. Bitch. Um, very well. So, um, was Norhill going to do anything in particular? Yeah, Norhill's probably going to spend a bunch of time, uh, you know, establishing a good routine for himself, uh, you know, making sure to exercise. Uh, practice his new maneuvers that he just figured out. Um, like like fainting, that's not a basic uh, move that anybody who knows how to fight with a weapon can do. That's a new one entirely. Um, but yeah, and like so maybe if anybody like wants to learn uh, on the crew, he'll run some basic drills uh, for uh, for people. Like, okay. oh, here's how, here's how to fight with a knife. Here's how to fight information, that sort of thing. So a crew of gnomes join in on this one, realizing what the uh, three new members don't, that they're more likely to run into a dragon or some other unearthly being of evil and terror. So they figure if they can at least use a kitchen knife to defend themselves for like six seconds at the very least, it might help them. So yeah, a crew of about 10 gnomes by the end of this three-day leg have joined in to uh, figure out how to actually hold a knife in a threatening manner. Is this like a boot camp? Also... <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's not, it's no, it's more like a karate class than a boot camp. Oh. But I, I like to think that Anton's also <laughs> there holding Dojo. his, Dojo holding no his glowing sword the wrong way. <laughs> oh, that burn. <laughs> oh, so... Okay, so after we pass by the volcanoes of uh, Galen, um, the next trip is about 10 or so days of just open ocean before we get to the large mountainous island continent known as Thor. And Thor 
is where our friend Auk is from. Auk is specifically from a town that he actually named, uh, which is Sokost. And Sokost is one of the more popular regions here. But as you guys realize by flying over this place, Thor is not well populated by any means. And as you fly overhead every once in a while coming through cloud cover to see the place, one, it's majestic and beautiful. The mountains themselves cut like a dark purplish blue in the uh, horizon. Um, it's definitely an awe-inspiring and epic location. I would say that there's many uh, plains and plateaus where uh, you guys can tell that lots of like uh, yeomen have made quite a living. So there's huge flocks of sheep and goats and stuff like that trailing by small communities with huts and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, it's it's pretty desolate and wild. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know if anybody had anything they wanted to do for this next leg of the trip, as at this point in time, uh, Swift Bolt definitely seems like he has sort of kissed up to Lucky Dog, and uh, about 13 or 14 days into this trip, about the day that we start passing by the island of Thor, um, he approaches Jarzak, and Swift Bolt says, now with a greater confidence than he ever had before, he asks specifically if he could join the crew as a full-time member and asks if it would be too much to join as the second mate um, underneath the uh, Lucky Dog himself. And Lucky Dog seems to give the thumbs up and says that he shows a lot of promise, says that his natural instincts for directions and his uh, wherewithal with a weapon seem to put him a cut above, and the level of confidence he's exuded out here has uh, definitely made him for a great option for a uh, second mate. Uh, one sec, I gotta gotta talk to my first mate real quick. He pulls Lucky Dog to the side, and he's like, "Is, is second mate a real thing, or is this guy fucking with me? <laughs> like, we already have a first, right? Do you do we need a second? Is is that is that right?" So he leans in and he says, "I'm gonna be very honest with you. It is it is a thing." Um, oh, okay. and my Power. experience on this, on the ship leads me to believe that one, I could definitely do this job by myself, but do you want I think help? that the kids got, I think the kids got a lot of strengths and I think he shows a lot of character and I think we could always use somebody like him on this ship. Okay. So you want him as you. The first mate, second mate, that. You're replacing me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> third? The guy gave you everything. Whoa, whoa. Wait, is there a third mate? Yeah, there's a gnome named Squeaky. We put him immediately into third mate status because we didn't think we'd ever have a second. <laughs> Squeaky. But... He's a good guy. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can be uh Second mate. But if so, Lucky Dog tells me you're fucking it up, I'm, uh, that's it. Very good. Uh, you notice Swift Bolt very uncharacteristically jumps up and down a couple times and fist pumps one time quick to himself. And he looks to you and he says, you won't regret it. I promise. Uh, heads up, careful about jumping on top deck here. Dude, we're in the air flying around. It's dangerous. 
And the whole ship just dips for a couple of seconds, like whoa, 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 whoa. No, he, he's just coasting, like what? Um, I will say that Klika at this point in time definitely feels the sense of magic tingling she had in her back and in her arms and everything has officially left. And you feel this weird sense. It's kind of like when you're sick for a long time and then you finally feel healthy and you take your first breath of healthy air and you're like, oh yeah. Klika feels that as she casts spells for the first time in a couple weeks after leaving the uh, Unfrendil's domain that something definitely was siphoning off of your energy. And you finally feel like the grasp of it has officially released. What did you say the name of the continent where above right now is? It's Thur. It's T-H-U with an umlaut R. Yeah. A fun little rule of thumb, and I hope nobody corrects me if I'm wrong here, but umlaut pronunciations, you basically just make like an O shape with your lips when you make the sound of the vowel. So like Thur, you just, you just, it comes kind of naturally out of there. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. So when Klika notices that, I think she's gonna head up top deck, see how beautiful the scenery and everything is here. Uh, I feel like maybe she wants to just like get off the ship and stretch her legs for a bit. So yeah, I guess she'll just be sort of looking over the side like a few times. And then if, like, checking out if anyone's paying attention, and then if no one's paying attention, she's going to just pop off the side of the ship, start falling, as, and as one summon, does. Okay. <laughs> summon her uh, draconic spirit to land on, and no. so she'll uh, fly around on that for a bit. Okay, so you want to go over the spell uh, components here, what what we've got for the uh, this spell when it's working? What's the uh, general gist of the uh, mechanics behind it? Uh, let's see. So, essentially, I am going to call forth a draconic spirit that manifests in an occupied space that I can see within 60 feet of me. Uh, when I cast a spell, I choose the family of the dragon, chromatic gem or metallic. Uh, and the dragon will represent a dragon of that family. Um, so, uh, and then I get to pick what, like, subtype of... Uh, no, actually, I don't. So it's just one of those types and it has resistances based on that. But... Uh, essentially, it's just a large dragon that I can conjure into being for about for an hour every day, and it can has a flying speed, so that's nice. And it can speak draconic, and it knows any language I know. And uh, I can use it in combat for different things, but I probably never will. Huh? Um. Now, as far as building for story goes, I'm more than willing to suggest that the way that dragons work in this campaign setting as beings of pure magic, um, sort of offshoots of the one, um, would you like to suggest that the dragon spirit comes up as one particular dragon you've encountered? I mean, if you're willing to let me do that, then sure. Yeah. Now, the only thing is, 
it's the essence of its spirit, much in the same way that if your spirit had been plucked out of you, much in what we talked about in like the last game, it's not like your spirit is going to like grant memories and intelligence and all that. It'll just behave with the general like essence of that dragon's spirit. So if you yeah. summoned Eindindareth, it's not going to just turn around and be like, start socking you in the face. Like it is under your control. So, though it would be kind of funny to summon Eindindareth mm-hmm. and flying out of the sky, go to land on it, and it just fucking alley oops you to the earth. <laughs> just like. Just summon <laughs> oh, the chair says the rune is the red dragon, right? Yeah, I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> just rip its soul from its body, just rendering souls. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, show up it? next to the ship riding it. It's like, what's up, guys? Remember this one? <laughs> Isn't Klika's dad a dragon? Or is that the mom? Supposedly both. Because you met the still, dad, just still, not in dragon form. Right. But I think <laughs> definitely for speculations, this man. first... Uh, outing clique is gonna probably conjure forth tasarja or tasarja's spirit there because uh, okay. i think that he would really appreciate the beauty here and all that stuff Clica thinks okay. about tasarja a lot and so instead of you know sending it off to peaceful pastures you ride it like a fucking donkey so mm. with that, you summon the... <laughs> I barely knows I'm there. I'm a small creature. It's a large creature. Got room to so spare. That, the the ethereal sort of uh, glimmers of the essence of Tartharja, the golden dragon, in its full shiny glory, um, not rusty in any way, um, spreads wings and comes out of basically nothingness. And as Klika hops onto its back from the side of the uh, the vessel... Um, the three gentlemen from Gallad Bay rush over to the side of the, the vessel and look over the side. And one of them yells out as he points down. He said, see, this is what I was talking about. We weren't going to see this in Gallad Bay. Click it just looks up and waves. Hmm. Breaks off from the ship for a bit to go swoop majestically over the sea- land and the sea and all that good stuff. Does some, you know, sweet barrel rolls around the ship. While laughing. <laughs> yeah, as you having a real good down time. Closer, as you drift down closer to the land, you can see that a uh, a Goliath yeoman has an entire group of these, like, uh, I don't know what it says. They're like a, a kind of buffalo, I guess you could call it that. Um, but these big shaggy buffalo are sort of just being guided in one general direction. And as you swoop overhead, the Goliath runs for it and just like dives to hide in a bush. And all of these bison-y things just all start rushing all over the place, freaking out as you go flying over, <laughs> swooping wind and dust with you as you do so. Oh, man, Klika feels a little bad about that. Can I just try to make sure none of them fully run away? <laughs> like, sort of keep them all hurt no, no, it's okay. They're all fainting bisons. They all just start <laughs> okay, falling good. over. That's fine, though. Klika loves this. <laughs> like, I'm gonna do another round actually. The goal, it's like they could only do it once. <laughs> um, very well. So, okay, so there's that, I suppose. Um, I, I mean, once Klika's done that, she'll pull back up to the side of the ship and call over Norhill. Um, Norhill, we don't really have like a ton of practice with 
dealing with opponents we might run into while we're in the sky did we want to use this as like an opportunity to get people trained up on or maybe you can try and work out some strategies for dealing with something that might approach us you all have flashbacks to the giant eagle things ripping the boat out of the air and <laughs> all the ballistas the missing. Yep. I think or he'll just like, yes, idea. that would be a great idea. <laughs> I will have a word with the engineers. See what we can come up with. Okay, because I Klika doesn't mind ta- playing like the bad guy for a little bit. She won't actually t- destroy the ship. Probably. Very well. So after meeting with the engineers and speaking with the gnomes, um, apparently when they stopped in Gallad Bay, they actually purchased with some of the gold that they had um, they borrowed had from the party. than us. <laughs> yeah. For, ah, for short okay. <laughs> um, but they, uh, they actually made some purchases and bought some giant sort of like aqueous bladders. And they were basically at this point willing to help make stabilizers onto the sides that if something were to happen again, like what happened with the rope, they'd be able to send out some emergency ones on the side to kind of like correct and stabilize it. So we didn't have just a dump off like we had last time. Um, But they look very guilty when uh, you ask them to help engineer this as it becomes very apparent that they may have taken some of your money to purchase this, but they play it off like they were gifted this. And Norhill cares not one whit uh, that they use some of our money to buy that. That's a good idea. (laughs) And uh, so with that, Norhill will also um, pull in Jarzak and the Lucky Dog. Uh, to discuss like uh, some like, like safety standards uh, for if we're attacked in the air and you know where non-combatants are to take cover and you know what they're to do and you know what signals to use for whether it's safe or not that sort of thing. Very well. I like thinking that you guys create like a little 1950s like safety video, but like gnomish like safety video where it's like gnome do and gnome don't. <laughs> like, like air travel is a thing of the future. Here Remember, we see. Has this ever happened to you? Remember <laughs> the five and the five GNs. Don't stand near the edge during an emergency. <laughs> Gnome means gnome. Um, but yeah, hella, yeah. So anyway, I think Jarzak probably gets to hold the clacker thingy for the directing part of it where you go and action. Jarzak's very involved at this point. Also didn't edit it enough, so that's in every single scene. This <laughs> is spooky metal gauntlet haunting the frame. <laughs> yeah, it's just a loud it clack and it moving out of frame. Like it just keeps watering in the frame and introducing herself. (laughs) Just having to shove her aside for it. Anton's got the lights on this one, just shining a little beam of light, but it's too strong. (laughs) The gnomes come out with tan lines afterwards. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, uh, apart from that, did Anton have anything to do during this leg of the trip? I mean, I think he'll actually maybe see if he could talk to the illuminator about their decision. 
And if he's right in thinking that they maybe can't make a decision as a group. Hmm. Just a good idea. Okay. What do you think of that whole like deal of death? I don't, I don't know if the Illuminator is cool with that or like, nope. I don't know if the Illuminator pissed at him for like making a deal with a lich. So. Oh, okay. So in that case, when you try to have some sort of a spiritual correspondence with our friend of the Illuminator, the why don't, why don't you go ahead and actually ask the question then? Okay, do you want me to actually do like the whole rigmarole and everything? The role? No, no, no. You don't have to do divine intervention. You've, you've spoken oh. to him before. Again, well, don't forget, you are the light bearer. Yeah, I, I think he's just like we're in a predicament where either one of us or someone we may or may not know will have to sacrifice their soul. And it looks like right now the group wants to leave it to the group to decide who, but I don't know if that's right. Like I couldn't bear leaving any of my group. And I hope that they wouldn't bear leaving losing me. Do you have any... So the Illuminator sort of answers back and says, what is it to walk in the light? To have clarity. You say with clarity? To have clarity to see. What is it to walk in the darkness? It is to be blind, it, but to not be in fear for even if there is darkness, there will eventually be light. If one is to make a decision in the darkness, have you made a true, well-founded decision? Or have you gone with what you've been told? Have you been deceived? Are you unaware of the outcomes that could be made? To make a decision in darkness is to not decide at all. It is to allow those around you to decide for you. To walk in the light and to make decisions within the light is to make decisions with clarity and understanding. True wisdom is that understanding and clarity. You must ask yourself this. To make any sorts of decisions in full clarity, there has to be an understanding that you cannot understand all. The world will never be fully illuminated, for there will always be darkness, and there will always be shadows. If you make the decision, let it be known that you could never make the right decision, for there will always be shadows. With all light that is cast, more shadows will be made. Your clarity will obfuscate other people's. If it is you to decide to surrender your soul for the greater of all of this world, let it be a decision you've made with understanding. But I would question the reasoning of having anyone else make that decision. Do you think anyone who had not met with Unthrendil or any of these other powers would truly understand the gravity of what they've given up and what they are aiding in? Is that lack of understanding going to make it easier for them? Or will they have paid the greatest price and reaped the least. Oh. 
Also, did you really go to a fucking lich and not even tell me about it? Not even a phone call? You could cast message whatever you want. I give you that power. You ask for it in the morning. We didn't know if we were even going to make it. And we didn't know they'd actually be willing to speak. But they were. What'd you say? I didn't even know if they'd be willing to speak with us, but they were. I was only kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. He's very aware of what you did, but... Yeah, I, I, I know. He ain't the jealous type. I imagine there's, like, other light bearers. I don't imagine it's just, like, me. No. What do you mean, no? Well, I just mean, like, you're right. There's There are other light bearers, <laughs> but at uh, this point, yeah, you're on a holy like, quest. I feel like there's got to be a lot of holy quests going on. Can't know everything. Don't forget, Ronnie. Those who walk too close to the light are blinded, and those who walk too far can't see at all. That's why we don't kill people with ice rays. No, no, we don't. Nor do we. <laughs> I think we did. Um, okay. So with that. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to do for this leg? Yeah, for Jarzak. Oh, oh no. He's gonna go up to Norhill and be like, uh, Norhill, I, I, I want to spar with you. Oh, I'm more than happy to oblige. I just want, I just want to test something out. You'll might be cursed for like a, a little bit. I'm less no, happy to oblige, however. <laughs> I'm willing to let you try whatever it is you need to do. Uh, all right. <laughs> Trisac's gonna just instantly explain Curse Norhill. What do you mean by instantly? Uh, just uh, to, to start the fight. Oh, well, well, be, be like, now, now try and hit me. He just holds up his shield. Does Norhill right. feel weird when he's cursed? What exactly does it feel like, Jarzak, when he's cursed? Because I've there's got to be a feeling that one has. <laughs> bugs crawling all over. <laughs> Are they invisible bugs and you just yeah. feel Still <laughs> <Dale> bugs! <laughs> <laughs> Yup. Yeah, you got your power from one place. Yeah, I know. That's it, okay. where it, that's where it came from. So <laughs> never forget your roots. Oh, either that or it's voices now. Like we want to go with the most recent thing Jarsac's come in contact with. He just no, hears a not, lot of you don't get no pain you don't get screams. warlock powers from that. All right. Uh well Norhill, you know, visibly a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, because now he's itchy all of a sudden. Um, is what you do to people? Your attacks are going to be at disadvantage. Okay. To hit. Uh, he's yeah. going to take the uh, hook hammer and like try to two hand the hammer side into the shield. Uh, give Jarzak a good old, uh, good old strike to test whatever this is. And breaks his arm. 
Uh, yeah, maybe. That's going to be a dirty 20 hit. Okay, so... Wait, a what? Dirty 20. Which oh, okay, I thought you said beats 32. His, beats his like, armor. Uh-oh. And definitely hits him. And Jarzak's like, oh, yeah, no, try try again. That was a fluke. Are you sure about <laughs> I wasn't that? ready. I, bre- I break your arm. No, yeah, one more. Jared's like just warming up the shielding effect and just Nariel clubs him in the ribs. Right, uh, <laughs> I wasn't that, that time it's uh, 15. Okay, that's a miss. I, I need him to hit and then I have to do something. Yeah. Jarzak puts, puts down the shield. Come on. Uh, dirty 20 again. Uh, so Jarzak drops his shield, and even before he gets uh, come <laughs> on, you know, a good like hip crack. So uh, you go to do that, and Jarzak like slightly moves out of the way, and you still miss. I'm like, oh, it worked. I'm so nimble now. <laughs> Much of the gnomish crew that have begun eating popcorn are very confused by this whole thing. And one of the three men that sits amongst the gnomes, like a sore thumb, just points and he says, I don't get it. And the gnomes just say, It's okay. We really don't get it either. All right. No, 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 no. We don't need. No. You're Norhill's boot camp now, Jarzak. No, Norhill. helps in on the dragon. Click is going to help. Just cast the. Fire breath weapon across the top of the deck. <laughs> and that's how the quest ended. Everybody <laughs> smiled and died. The only thing that survived was a training video for how to survive <laughs> when the freaking airplane flips upside down. So essentially, Jarzak got his extra like layer of protection from his armor of hexes, which can stop any attack that actually hits him. I just have to roll good enough, which I did not on the first roll. I rolled a one. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I was really confused about it, that. I was it's like, a, okay. it's a D6. I got to roll at least a four or higher, and then any attack, even a crit, will miss still, wow, which is kind of cool. But yeah, it's like I rolled the fucking one. I'm like, uh, come on. <laughs> like, go ahead, Nor. He'll try me. Just crack some square in the face. Just like, oh, yep, that's an arm. <laughs> right. Somewhere, He's... somewhere. Um, what's it called? Valakats just starts like. Just cracking up to himself in a dark shadow. <laughs> just thinking about you getting clubbed trying to use one of his powers. <laughs> um, okay, well, after that leg of the trip, the party uh, now in the next couple days are going to be crossing over into Fazeri itself. Um, so Fazeri is a pretty long continent here and the Arcane Citadel sort of smack dab in the middle. Um, the layout, which has been explained to you through the maps, uh, it is mountainous in the center, and it's pretty much just like flat, flat like steps and um, like uh, rolling planes um, around it. Um, <clears throat> the town of Shieldvale, or at least the fort, is going to be past the Arcane Citadel, and it's going to be one of the most easternmost provinces. Um, it's still pretty much in the center of the continent, but um, yeah. So for the first couple days, as you guys are going to be traveling into here and crossing the ocean and coming further in, um, the lucky dog approaches you guys and says, 
we are about to cross over into the uh into Fazeri and into the uh this land proper because of the nature of the people on our ship uh and then kind of looks over at Klika then looks back over at Jarzak I was wondering if you wanted to try a circumnavigation rather than go straight to it I don't think that we'll be taken kindly here and I don't think we're going to be able to land this thing in many cities without taking on quite a bit of notice. Hey, Lucky Dog, you know what? We've been over this. I don't know those fancy sailing terms. You you gotta you gotta shoot straight with me. What are you talking it's about? Like, it's like, what does landing mean? We're flying, you idiot. Not land, we're air. God. There aren't even wheels, Lucky Dog. <laughs> um so he basically says. Klika has received death threats and people have attempted to kill her. Do you want us to land in the city where they came from? Or do you want to try to go around? Take the long way, the safe way. Why would we land? Well, I guess that brings up the next big question. What is our plan? Mm. So let me make sure that I have this straight player. So we're not looking for the primary citadel for the Tome Guard, right? Looking for like a secondary one, probably disused. Okay. Yeah. Um, Unthrendil had explained to you that it was sort of like a uh, one of the, like the little blister locations off the place. It's a fort that definitely has magical capabilities to it, and it's fully functional at this point. It's just one of those things where they hid one of the most powerful teleportation spots in one of the more unassuming forts. Okay, uh, so, Klika, I hate to ask, you are somewhat familiar with the Tome Guard? Mm-hmm. Do you have half an idea which fort it might be that we're looking for? Or Shield Bill. You guys know that pretty explicitly. Uh, uh, well, well, where it's located. Um, not really. Well, the maps that the navigators have it outlines where it is. Oh, yeah, it's, I just it's... mean, like, personally, Klika's never been there, is what she's saying. Oh, okay, okay. Just yeah, sure okay. We're so I probably have part. a little bit more of a search in front of us. So, hmm. No, in that case, we should almost certainly take the Schaefer route. These aren't exactly friends of ours. Oh. So, if the plan is to take the longer route and sort of land outside of Shield Vale, hopefully being able to travel in, um, like on foot, um, Lucky Dog says that it's going to take a few extra days in order to do that. Um, but he's planning on sort of circling over land around the island um, without having to go back over the ocean just to save time. But he warns you that the area on the map that he has. It specifies that these lands are haunted, tainted, and awful evil lands that aren't to be entered. And he says that since it's an old Tome Guard map, he is trying not to take this lightly. I mean, we could just... You could just drop us above it. We, we can just jump off ship, and then you guys go, go somewhere safe. Much assuming that we entered into 
Bulgaris. Okay. So with that, he just says, all right. Um, he starts kind of fumbling around under his shirt looking for a holy symbol and he kind of pulls one out and kisses it, pulls out a second one, kisses it, puts both of them back under his shirt and he says, um, in that case, in a few hours when we're heading over the land, I think we should take a peek and at least see what's beneath us. Hmm. You're probably right about that. So as the, uh, the vessel continues over the land here, the smell of just like rotten decay, but that smell of rotten decay, like the sickly sweet swampy smell of just like rotten vegetation and like, you know what I mean? Like just dead earth. Uh, it starts to stink up well up into the sky here where you guys are. And Lucky Dog sort of leans over the edge and he points down beneath the cloud cover and he says, I can't tell for certain. If you'd like, we could probably get a little bit lower and get a better view, but I think I see what the map was talking about. Uh, Norhill uh, squints at it to try and see if he can get an idea of what Lucky Dog is talking about. Okay. So you guys can roll for a perception check if you'd like to see a little bit deeper down into there. Sure. Five. Nice. Sure, Jessica isn't inside. even looking down. I got eight. <laughs> looking up. Nice. Thirteen. Uh, Nineteen. Damn. Okay, so Swift Bolt and Norhill get the best view of it, but Kalika can also see pretty well. Everybody else, the cloud cover is too rough, and all you see is greenish, grayish splotchiness down below there. Um, what Kalika is able to tell is it is all dead, like vegetation. Like, they're all decrepit trees. It is pretty swampy and gross down there. But Norhill and Swift Bolt both sort of have a moment of alarm. As you're looking down there, you can see something of, like, a, a large moose just kind of wandering around amongst the swamp. But what really sticks out to you as you're squinting through and see it is half of the moose, its skin is just peeled off of it and you just see exposed bones and like intestines hanging out from the rib cage. And this thing is just kind of like, I don't know, just sort of zombieing its way through the bog and just walking in a straight line. Um, as you sort of take in this imagery, you get a haunting reminder of what it was like to be in Unthrendil's domain. And yeah, Swiftbolt just steps back for a second too. And he says, I I haven't seen that since we were in Unthrendil's domain. That's right. This place is tainted by undeath, almost as bad as the Lich's realm. Well, we traveled to a haunted forest before. That one was full of like ghosts and werewolves. You know, what the heck is a zombie moose gonna do? Moose moose on a normal day are are a hazard. Oh dead ones he pulls out his even riskier. Pulls out his RPG, just like Jesus Christ. <laughs> um so, <laughs> so with that the uh vessel is lifted above the cloud cover. And the group continue on their way south around the island. Um, after a couple more days, the party on the vessel have uh, sort of circumnavigated. Um, they reach the coast and checking the map again, the lucky dog says that you have basically two options at this point. 
there's a couple of a couple of towns we can land in. One of them is indeed uh, Shieldvale, but you could also land in a town that's farther away on the coast. Um, and he says that this one is much more of like a well-traveled town. So it's not necessarily like, I don't know, it wouldn't be as weird to have people who aren't from like, the, you know what I mean? Like it, it's much more of like a, um, a diverse population that lives there. So it wouldn't be weird to have your type end up here. Um, but that place is called Staffwind. So he basically says, the question is up to you if you'd like to land in one of these two places or if you'd like to land outside of one of them. I'd prefer to have as few people asking questions of us as possible. So whatever option lends itself towards that would be my recommendation. Fair enough. Um, okay. Anybody else have any insight on this? It might be wise to get some of the locals. We don't know much of what we're getting into. Um, maybe Klika should just stay out of the town entirely if we need to meet up with her outside of town Klika can get off before we get to the town and land on her own and wait uh, Klika doesn't know how far the eyes of the Tome Guard might reach and with that, Swiftbolt chimes in unhelpfully and says, they may be watching you at this very moment. Well, a lot of people guard? are. Wait, what did you say, Jarzak? I asked if he was Tomeguard. Just kind of stumbles and he says, I, no, I, if they're anything like the Lich, I think it's pretty safe to say that they probably have some sort of, you know, Magics. Why am I being questioned here? Jarzak takes things very literally. Uh, you gotta be if, careful. If they do have that sort of power at their disposal, it's very difficult to hide from. Yeah, I mean, you so think we can hide from the Lich? Probably watching us now. We, there will have been nothing we could have done from the first is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's the Lich, there's the Storm Giants who's watching us, maybe the Tome Guard, I guess maybe uh, the Queen of Amaroth. A lot of people keeping tabs. And They'll need I mean, to get in line. Yeah, uh, and I have a few of my own friends watching out, so... Some within my head. <laughs> Jarzak just in his head. You guys still there? <laughs> like, oh. Okay. Um, Again, I imagine there's just that... like a closed door in Jarzak's head. <laughs> he just, you guys still there? Just hears the banging on the door. Nope, not letting you in. Still was just curious. Single inky black tentacle starts trying to wriggle <laughs> under the door. Yep. Ooh. Um, okay, so with that, the, uh, basically the four options we have available, or I guess technically five, um, you could either land, just to give you guys a better idea of how Shield Veil and Staff Wind kind of operate, 
they have a central fort and a town based around it. So both of them are, it's not just a fort. Like there's an entire town encampment around it. Okay. Um, so your five options are pretty much either land within the town of either Staffwind or Shieldvale, land just outside of them, or, you know, outside within reason. Nobody would know that you've landed, or land far beyond the boundaries of either of them. How about landing outside of Staffwind's visible range? Uh, that way we can walk in and don't have to answer any awkward questions about a flying ship. And we're less likely to, you know, be questioned as travelers. Do we have any way to um, signal the wraith, wraith so maybe they can stay in the air if they need to and we can call them down so they're not just tethered it out in the middle of a field somewhere while we do our business. I'm not sure really what you guys have ever had for a signal like that. I guess we could just fly up now. Well, is there anything special about the sword? Like, does that sword have any magical abilities that could help us? Like a searchlight? Yeah. Sending is Which on the are? ascending is on the cleric spell list. How far can it go? Isn't that like the plane that you're on? I think it is. Yeah. Do we have it prepared? Let me see. I think it's one of your cantrips, isn't it? No, that, uh, no, you're thinking of you're thinking of Oh, sending, yeah, it's actual. I'm talking about sense. I mean, I could see if I could prepare it, but I don't have it prepared right now. Okay. I figure we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, so if the plan is to land outside of Staff Wind uh, within like a, a day's walk so that the party could, you know, get there without any questions asked about that, that's totally doable. It'll just be a couple more days of flight to get around the coast and land over there. Um, one thing of note, when the party are traveling this way and begin lowering themselves down um, through the clouds, uh, when you look to the Southlands, you can actually see what appears to be uh, Azkabellum. Um, and even though it's just in the very far distance and it's just like a glimmer of coastline from where you guys are, I mean, you can still see... Um, I don't know, just sort of like the outside islands of the place. And it just gives you a moment's thought about how far you've come and how interconnected everything truly is. But as the party uh, maneuver their way back around the coast um, and into the mainland uh, to land out here uh, outside of Staffwind, the vessel sort of lowers itself and you guys are able to come to a landing here. Uh, the overall geography and landscape here, the biomes that you guys are in, again, it's like the steppe. It's sort of like prairie, you know what I mean? It's just giant, low, rolling, flat hills and just plains for days. There's grasses and whatnot. There's enough rain to be able to support an ecosystem of grasses, shrubs, and trees and critters, but not enough that it flourishes and makes, like, actual forests. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. ideal land for, like, wild horses and whatnot. 
But yeah, so we'll say that you guys landed about midday. So the question is, would you like to walk to Staffwind today? Or would you like to sort of make camp, get there in the morning? So let's get started today. All right. Uh, did the party have any plans on discussing how to play hide the clica? How to hide clica? I mean, how long can she be in the pocket dimension? Which pocket dimension? The one when you, when you go on the teleport. Instantaneously. Yeah, it's like, it's one place to the other. It's not like a, a hang. Um, I mean, for the most I, part, I can Carry Clicka in my backpack. Jarzak, when was the last time you cleaned that? <laughs> Clicka, when was the last time you cleaned it? Do you have like I've like, never cleaned it? Like crumbs in there, like old goldfish crackers. <laughs> it would have to be that. <laughs> just some stale graham crackers at the bottom that yeah. been up. Like a couple chocolates that melted and just got completely all smushed up. The classic. Or I suppose what we could do is just a we could send just a couple of people ahead into town to check and see whether or not there's an active search for Klika. And if not, it's probably safe enough for her to walk around. Okay. So you want to get like pretty close to the town and then send people in so that she can hang outside of town? Yes. Yeah, just see if there's like wanted posters or you know, sketchy looking dragon board or tome guard. So if the party leave now, they will reach their destination if they pass the survival check. Um, Sometime in the late evening. So, Great. if that's cool yeah. with you, then we can go ahead and we can roll for that survival check. I mean, we could do the speedy fly technique. Holy. Well, that's not that's not threatening at all. Let's just hope nobody's around to fucking see the head. Hmm. Is that the plan? I don't Is know. It Nor, <laughs> I mean, Anthony just rolled crossbow damage for some reason, so... I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> I'm a little... Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I think I whacked something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh... I don't want to even run the risk of somebody spotting something strange about us that might make us stand out. I mean, we we fly for a little bit. We fly low and then just land and walk in. I think we can probably just walk it today we don't know what we're gonna be coming up against up here so it'd be good if we were all ready for anything okay okay so um can i get the survival check then i think anton's the one with the best survival bonus yeah anton and clica i think have the same I mean, I got a 16. Perfect. Okay. All right, so following the uh, setting sun in the north, 
um, you are able to. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so, as you are following this path, uh, can I get a perception check from the party? Sure. Fifteen. Seven. Eighteen. Sixteen. Shoot. Okay, so Jarzak, Hill, and Anton are very uh, very easily able to see in the distance as the sun is almost fully set. Uh, a trail of dust sort of about like 300 feet or so away forming from a trio of horsemen heading in your direction. George, I suggest, are we walking on a road? Hide. Through the prairie to the to the west. Klika hides. Where where? In the backpack? I there's bushes, maybe some like Okay. You guys can make it a you can make an effort to do that. Mm. So you can um, go ahead and roll a a stealth check if you'd like. But how far away are the horsemen? I got a nat 20. 300. Jesus Christ. So you find <laughs> the bush that's naturally clique shaped and just stand behind it. Excellent. Uh, Norhill's going to step off the path uh, or, you know, whatever way we're following to allow the horsemen to pass on their way. Okay. So as you try to step out of the way of where they seem to be going and head over, I would say in the opposite direction of where Kalika just climbed into a bush. Um, as you uh, step out of the direction, you notice that the horsemen sort of stop about 30 to 50 feet away. Uh, each of them, from what you can tell, are wearing shining, silvery-looking armor, uh, full plate, and they seem to have white capes that seem to be stained from the dust of the prairie. Um, the one in the front shouts out from on top of his horse, and he says, Halt! You, traveler, what is your business here? Uh, Norhill sort of points at himself as he uh, asks the question, who, me? And he says, there is curfew in staff wind, and the sun has set. Ooh, well, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware of a curfew. My name is Norhill, and uh, my companions and I are making for staff wind. He says, seems a bit strange to be walking this path even though there is no path. Oh, we're and, uh, mercenaries, you see. Our path us to many places without proper roads, and it seems we've been caught out. Go ahead and roll me a deception check. You know what the hell you're doing here. We, we are mercenaries. People, like, they always try to nickel and dime me on this, as if, like, but, you know, we are mercenaries, and this does happen a lot. Yeah, but you didn't <laughs> say that. You also didn't mention the real reason you're here. Uh, Norhill got a 14. Okay. So the man lifts an eyebrow and he pulls down the covering over his face that he had over like his nose and downward. Um, seemed to be there to keep the dust out, but he pulls it down. You can see his face. He's got dark, uh, dark black hair. He's got a well-trimmed mustache and long hair that comes under his helmet. But he pulls it down and he says, well, I'd expect nothing less from a dwarf in these lands, let alone a dwarf wearing armor such as that. I believe you, but you must understand that if you've come from Ascabellum, 
We do not do things like they do it there, in that strange land. If you are to come to Staffwind or any of these towns, we will escort you. There is a curfew. It is instilled and enforced by the military. The military meaning us. And one uh, of the gentlemen in the back pulls out a tome and sort of just holds it in front of him. Not like, you know, holding it out like fucking Simba baby, but holding it as if like kind of almost like wielding a sword menacingly. He pulls out the book. Oh, man, that would, he says, that would be great to escort us. He says, very well. And with that, he sort of turns on heel with the horse and they start walking in the, the direction west where you guys are headed. One of them waiting so that he can tail you and walk behind the uh, the trio. Oh boy, split party. Can you repeat that? Lika finds the first rabbit she can find. And <laughs> <laughs> Gets to the good stuff, cracks open a hot one. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah, I, said, I said, who boy, splitting the party. Um, Does Jarzak have stalk invisibility? I forget. Um, I I don't remember nope. if you had it. Okay, no. all right. Klika's gonna drink her potion of invisibility then, and just sort of walk with the party. How far away are we from uh, staff? Staff? Staff place? Staff win. Uh It's about an hour or so out. Woo, perfect. Let's try and make it 45 minutes, fellas. Walk briskly, everybody. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, Norhill feels an inclination to run. Yeah. <laughs> just slowly getting pushed. like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Or just, okay. just here, here's the dwarven ward for double or like fast march from Klika over his shoulder. I mean, we're probably the... marching decently fast since our Canadians yeah. are on horseback, right? So. Yeah, gotta... you guys are not slowing down for anything. There's and a curfew. If, if it wasn't we gotta go. pushing you, yeah, it'd be them. So the uh, we're going to end with the party uh, seeing in the distance the Fort of Staffwind rising on a hillock above the little town on the coast. Uh, as the party begin to enter the uh, sort of little villas around it, um, I would imagine Klika's magic invisibility potion begins to wear off. You said it lasts about 45 minutes? It's it's an hour. That's what I wanted 15 minutes okay, for us to find like an inn. Okay. All right. So as the party reached the uh the outskirts here, one of the uh horsemen says, Now, the least I can say is don't make yourself a nuisance. I'm keeping tabs on all three of you. Mm. Again. I am not one to be trifled with, and I serve directly under the master of this land. I do not like to be trifled with. And as he says so, a couple sparks zip out from between his fingertips, and he looks down at Norhill with a menacing glare and says, stop at one of the inns or something. Well, that, they just sort of trail off. Very well, sir. No trouble from us. Okay. And I think that's where we're going to end it. Hey, everyone. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. 
I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.